One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I'm your host and uh, this episode was recorded on Sunday the 28th of June. And uh, what a week in cruise it has been. I myself have been over to Sydney for the largest cruise conference to take place in the Southern Hemisphere. And during that week, all sorts of exciting things have been happening, including the... uh, release of the itineraries for Carnival Luminosa out of Brisbane, which of course is great news. And uh, as we're recording this, of course, uh, our friends at Norwegian Cruise Line are celebrating the naming of Norwegian Prima up in um, the the Northern Hemisphere, where of course Katy Perry is the, the godmother of this beautiful new ship. And at the same time, a huge thank you to David in Scotland, who sent us some incredible photos of a Penant vessel in Greenock in Scotland. Uh, so we've included some of those images in the show notes, and thank you to David for them. And also a quick shout-out and thank you to Lucy, who sent in this week's question, which, of course, Chris will be answering in just a second. Now, whilst we did say this was recorded on the 28th, there we're having a couple of technical problems. We envisage that it might be a little bit late arriving into your chosen um, podcast directory, um, but uh, hope you enjoyed this episode all the same. We're going to get Chris on the line in just a second to uh, start off with maritime history and then come back with the latest cruise news from around the world. Enjoy the show. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Yes, thanks, Baz. This week's question comes from Lucy in Los Angeles, who has been listening to us speak about the P&O Australia fleet um, and, of course, making that distinction last week, particularly that P&O Australia is different to uh, P&O in the UK. Uh, and uh, Lucy's question is, what is the recent history of P&O in Australia? What ships have they had and have they had any new ships built? So one of the things that we've mentioned a few times on the podcast is that P&O in Australia has never actually had a new build, but rather has taken on tonnage from other brands and, and in fact, other companies um, to, to run their, their fleet here in Australia. So P&O in Australia, in its current format, actually dates all the way back to uh, the Sipmar Cruise Line, which was acquired by uh, P&O Steam Navigation Company, uh, and its ship, the Fair Star, which was operating here, was retained by P&O and, in fact, converted into a P&O Holidays cruise ship. So 
Uh, it was already very popular in this market uh, in Australia throughout um, uh, its time with Sitma, and so it was retained as the sort of the, the main ship in that P&O holidays uh, fleet, which was the um, the name for P&O in Australia at the time. Uh, Fairstar lasted all the way through until 1997, and then she was replaced by the Fair Princess. And Fair Princess was actually uh, a former princess cruiser ship but before that she was actually a cunard ship that used to operate on the transatlantic run um, after the uh, jet aircraft came into service cunard uh, decreased its fleet size and uh, a fleet of four ships the saxonia sisters were laid up and um, ultimately sold um, with uh, two of them going off to um, russian interests or, or soviet interests at the time uh, and two ending up with uh, Sitmar and were converted into slightly more modern cruise ships. Um, it sailed with uh, with Sitmar and then went on to sail uh, with Princess after the uh, Sitmar acquisition because Princess and P&O were both owned by uh, the same company. Uh, P&O owned Princess at the time. Uh, and so she ended up sailing with um, uh, P&O in Australia as Fair Princess and retained her Princess Cruises name. The uh, Fair Princess was replaced by the Pacific Sky, which is actually the first ship that uh, started this Pacific uh, prefix, which the um, P&O fleet still has to this day. Um, and she used to be the Sky Princess, and then before that actually um, sailed again, was, uh, was designed and laid, out, laid down uh, by Sitma, and was a, a Sitma cruiser ship. Uh, called the Fair Sky. So she had a, a long career and was actually the last steam turbine-driven large passenger ship uh, in history. So there's another little interesting side story there for anybody who's interested. Uh, let us know and we maybe can do a, a whole uh, history segment on um, on propulsion, which is quite interesting. Um, so uh, Fair, uh, rather Pacific Sky, it gets kind of confusing with all these different names. Um, she sailed with uh, P&O Australia and was joined by... Um, uh, a former um, uh, a Carnival Cruise Line ship, um, which was originally called the Tropicale. Uh, it sailed for Costa as Costa Tropicale and then came to uh, P&O in Australia as the uh, Pacific Star. Uh, and there was a Pacific Sun as well, which sailed, again, another former um, Carnival Cruise Line ship, and it, it sailed with um, P&O in Australia for a number of years. In the... Uh, 2010s, we saw, or late 2000s and 2010s, we saw the fleet renewed uh, with uh, the uh, Pacific Dawn, Pacific Jewel, and Pacific Pearl. Interestingly enough, all three ships designed by Sitmar Cruises. Uh, the Pacific Pearl was, in fact, the uh, Fair Majesty, um, which, uh, when it was uh, laid down, but never sailed under that name, uh, and uh, actually ended up sailing um as uh, as Arcadia say for example for um for P&O UK um and then the Pacific Dawn and Pacific Jewel were the Regal and the Crown Princess um both of which were designed by Sitmar but um when P&O acquired it those designs were transferred across to Prin Princess Cruises and those two ships were actually designed by famous Italian architect Renzo Piano um, and uh, had a design that looks a little bit like a bottlenose dolphin. So if you have a look at um, some pictures online, uh, you can see, and in fact, I've got a video of Pacific Jewel, you'll be able to make out probably that, um, that inspiration there. So they were the ships that um, sailed with the fleet for many years throughout the 2010s. Um, they then introduced two new ships um, to make it a five-ship fleet, two former Holland America cruise line ships, 
um, which was the Pacific Aria and the Pacific Eden. They joined the fleet in 2015, just in time for the uh, P&O Five Ship Spectacular, which uh, occurred in Sydney Harbour, where all five ships sailed into the harbour together. Um, and in the years subsequent to that, those two ships were actually not quite as successful in the P&O fleet as some of the others. They didn't have quite as long a life with P&O in Australia uh, and were subsequently flagged uh, for sale. So we went into the pandemic and the fleet was already planned for renewal uh, with the introduction of, uh, of new ships. The last one I wanted to touch on was the um, Pacific Explorer, which used to be the Dawn Princess. Um, she's a Sun-class cruise ship. She had transferred to P&O Australia before um, the pandemic and, in fact, uh, um, kind of replaced um, Pacific Pearl um, in the lineup, really, because Pacific Pearl was, um, was sold off uh, to CMV um, before the pandemic. Um, we also saw, before the pandemic, the uh, Pacific Jewel sold to Karnaka, um, to cruise line, uh, Jalesh Cruises rather, to be named the Karnaka. She was sailing in the Indian market uh, and, uh, and that left uh, P&O with um, three ships actually in the lead up to the pandemic, which was the um, Pacific Explorer, the Pacific Aria uh, and uh, the Pacific Dawn. Now those are three very different types of ships. The um, Dawn Princess, which is of course now the um, Pacific Explorer. She she was that sun class, as I mentioned before, much newer in terms of her interior design and layout, far more balconies. And her larger fleet mates of the Grand Class were flagged to come and join uh, P&O in Australia. And that led to the acquisition of two Grand Class cruise ships from Princess, uh, which are now going to be sailing as um, Pacific Adventure and currently sailing as uh, Pacific Encounter. So we've got the three ships of the fleet these days. Uh, in Australia, all three have origins at Princess. Um, all three were built um, uh, much more recently than the ones that they replaced it was, um, from 1997 onwards. So they're not new ships, but they've been very nicely, very lovingly restored, um, refurbished rather, um, and um, converted into very, um, very you know, exciting modern Australian-based cruise ships with a lot of amenities and, uh, and facilities on board. And they're great platforms too. They're the Grand Class is very, um, very spacious, as you would have seen me mention or heard me mention in the previous podcast, uh, and you can check it out on my video as well to have a look at what the inside of uh, Pacific Encounter looks like. So that's a bit, um, a bit of a step back in history, a little bit of a look at what that fleet looked like uh, and all the different changes. And as you can see, it's not been an easy thing to trace. There's been lots of new ships or lots of other ships coming into the fleet over the years. Um, none of them are new builds. All of them have had previous lives. They've had a lot of ships that had um, heritage back in Sitmar cruises, which is um, fascinating. Uh, and then, of course, ships that had origins in Holland America Line and Princess Cruises as well. So, yeah, very interesting um, story there behind Australian cruising. One day, maybe we'll get a, a P&O Australia ship as a new build. Um, I think at the moment, we're just seeing this resurgence in cruising in Australia uh, and um, the new large 109,000 Grand Class ships, as well as the slightly smaller Sun Class, um, is, is certainly going to be an interesting thing to see um, how the Australian market takes them. But from, uh, from what I can tell, um, they're very popular so far. So hopefully, it'll see more ships coming into the Australian fleet for P&O. Thanks so much for your question, and uh, now I'm going to hand back over to Baz.
Thanks, Lucy, for that great question. Of course, thank you to Chris for your great answers, as always. But let's stay with uh, local news right now as uh, we talk about the first cruise ship to return to Auckland. Chris, tell us all about it. Yes, it's been very exciting to see the first cruise ship returning to the New Zealand market. Uh, and that, of course, is Pacific Explorer, the, the history of which I, I we shared earlier in the, in the podcast. Um, and it's great to see such a great welcome. Uh, Baz, they had uh, local business owners out there to welcome the ship in. Uh, there was all sorts of celebrations to, to see the ship come back into New Zealand waters. And it's currently enjoying that, uh, that special long voyage to New Zealand at the moment. So some very lucky passengers on board. Great, Chris. We have got a lot uh, more new local news, but I do just quickly want to duck over to Europe where um, Hamburg was celebrating uh, Cruise Day and there was a particularly special event that's, that included Aida Prima. So yes, in Germany, in Hamburg, there's a, an event on at the moment, um, which is Cruise Days, um, and it's had over 130,000 people come out to, to check it out. And one of the star um, attractions was the dancing of Ida Prima and the MSC Magnifica, um, which saw a, a fantastic light show and uh, the you know the high level of um, maneuverability of the ships makes this uh, sort of spectacular um, event possible. But um, it's certainly um, gathered a lot of attention over there in Hamburg. Next, moving over to Carnival Cruise Lines, where we have a trifecta of news. Let's start off with the news around Carnival Luminosa, Chris. This one's super exciting because it's a a new ship for the Australian market, but it's also a new ship for Carnival. Um, So Carnival Luminosa, it uh, it started its career as the Costa Luminosa. It's uh, um, one of those very large 100,000 tonne plus uh, cruise ships. Uh, and it's been um, retrofitted and refurbished um, as a Carnival Cruise Line ship. It'll be wearing the new livery, and it's heading down to Australia for a season here, um, kick-starting off with cruises in Brisbane, Baz. Now, speaking of Australia and Carnival, Carnival Splendor's been a feature down here for quite some time. What's happening with Carnival Splendor, Chris? Yeah, so Carnival's really sort of excited, I think, about coming back into the Australian market because they're offering the first passengers on their first Australian voyage an extra day on board the ship at no extra cost. And not only that, they're going to be including um, a special visit to one of Australia's more, well, Queensland particularly, is more uh, popular um, destinations, tourist destinations, and that's Tangaluma um, off the coast of uh, of Queensland there. So Really exciting for those first passengers, Baz. And finally, in the trifecta of news for Carnival, uh, we've just heard that Carnival has named the senior officers for the next new ship, Carnival Celebration. So, Baz, as we know, the um, Carnival Celebration, named uh, its namesake, of course, was one of the first Carnival cruise ships, um, the Celebration, and it's uh, following on that tradition of Mardi Gras by reintroducing some of those historic names, um, will be um, adorned in its new the new Carnival livery and is one of the large uh, LNG-powered ships. Um, and they've just announced the, the captain and the officers of, uh, of the ship. And the master of the new ship will be Vincenzo Alcaraz, uh, and he's actually shared with Carnival some of his favourite uh, things about the ship. So do you want to share those, Baz? Sure. So Captain Vincenzo's uh, favourite places on board, uh, his favourite place is the wheelhouse, which of course makes sense given his uh, position. Uh, his favourite food on board is his personal recipe, which is currently used in Cucina del Capitano, which is one of the Italian restaurants on board. And Chris, if you're not familiar with that restaurant, 
all of the captains of the years have given a recipe to Carnival, um, which can be featured on the menu. Uh, but more importantly, there is generally a photo of that captain, either as an adult or as a child, enjoying that particular meal with their family back home in Italy. So look out for those beautiful photos on the walls of Cucina del Capitano if you are lucky enough to cruise on Carnival. His favourite playlist show is Celestial Strings. His uh, most memorable moment with Carnival was when he was when he was appointed captain on Carnival Miracle back in 2006. And his favourite thing to do when not on board is to spend time with his family, read books and watch soccer. Next up, Chris, let's have a little look at what Celebrity Cruises has uh, celebrated this week as part of Celebrity Ascent. Yes, the Celebrity Ascent is under construction at Le Chantiers de l'Antique Shipyard in Saint-Nazaire in France. This is a shipyard that uh, we have spoken about before in the podcast, but it's a very famous historic uh, yard that was uh, responsible for the construction of some of the greatest liners uh, back in the day, including uh, the Normandy, which is one of the most famous transatlantic liners, uh, and of course the France, which was the French flagship in the 1960s. Um, and it is uh, currently building the Celebrity Ascent, um, and the the milestone is the laying of the keel, uh, which of course is a very important first, uh, well not first, but inaugural step in the construction of, of a new ship. Um, and it's from this block that all of the rest of the ship will be attached. Uh, so in, in essence, the first part of the ship is now um, being built and uh, and the rest of the, the vessel will take place uh, around it. From France to Vietnam next, Chris, we're off uh, to uh, Southeast Asia with Viking as they celebrate the latest ship joining their fleet on the Mekong. So we've mentioned the Viking Saigon quite a few times because it's uh, a new, you know, new build for Viking and it's also a new ship uh, for uh, for a new region for the for the cruise line, but it's now undertaking its first voyage. So it's uh, it's uh, set sail and it's on its way with its first pay- fair paying passengers on board, which is very exciting. Uh, and uh, there's there's a lot of uh, sort of unique amenities that they they are um, sharing about the the onboard experience on board this ship, including that it was specifically built for the Mekong River. Uh, it has a total of 80 passengers on board, so it's not a large ship, but it's uh, it's designed for that uh, river cruising, and it has those Viking touches, but of course in a very different um, geographical location to where you find most of the rest of the fleet. And then with MSCs just sort of um, announced that they're going to have some changes to their northern hemisphere winter um, schedule, just with the change of ships, really. And again, this is sort of like that post-pandemic sort of reshuffling still. Cruise lines are still trying to get all their ships to the right places, but uh, the Virtuosa will replace um, the Priosa uh, in the northern Europe uh, season, um, particularly on the planned northern Pearl sailings. Uh, and then the MSC Bellissima will replace her uh, sister ship, the Virtuosa, in the Mediterranean. So um, just a bit of a swap around there it will uh, obviously impact only affected passengers uh, on those various ships. And uh, MSC will no doubt be uh, touching base with, uh, with passengers to, to advise them of those changes. Thanks, Chris. Great little roundup there of uh, the latest cruise news. But before we let you uh, go... Uh, what's happening, what's new, or what's uh, proving popular on your uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, thanks, Barry. So, I mean, the YouTube-wise, it's really just um, the the most 
popular video I've done in, in quite a while. In fact, is a tour of Pacific Encounter. So to take you on board and show you what it looks like to be on board Pacific Encounter. This is from my, my tour, my visit aboard the ship last week. Um, the last episode, 111, was, was a dedicated podcast all about that visit. Um, so you got to hear what it was like on board the ship. But now you can go and check out what it looks like. Uh, and that's at my YouTube channel, uh, basically, you can just search for uh, Pacific Encounter Tour and you'll see the video there um, by Chris Frame. So that's that's my one. Or if you wanted to go directly to it, it's youtube.com slash official. Thanks so much, Baz. See you next time. Awesome, Chris. And don't forget the, uh, the link to Chris's YouTube channel is always in the show notes of each and every episode. A quick shout out and uh, congratulations once again to the team at Norwegian Cruise Line celebrating the uh, the launch of their new ship there. Uh, but until next week, we say goodbye. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.